Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. recall us um, being excited about that podcast from the great northwest called the black tapes yes i love the black tapes that was such a great podcast i heard too that they might bring it back for another season and i really hope they do because they didn't you know they kind of left us hanging there at the end so i would love to uh i'd love to hear more yeah, you guys need to check them out. It's written by Paul Bay and Terry Miles. It's called The Black Tapes. Very and paranormal. Very paranormal. Very. And in one of their episodes, I remember hearing a story about the Devil's Bible. Right. A nickname for the Codex Gigas. And typically their stories are fiction and super creepy. And yes. sometimes they do loosely base them on true events. Yes. So I did some digging because I heard that this book actually exists and might be cursed. The Codex Gigas, meaning giant book, is the largest surviving medieval manuscript in the world. Wow. There is a fantastic tale told about it being written by the devil himself. Weighing 165 pounds, a thickness of almost 9 inches, 20 inches across, and 3 feet tall. Is this his answer to the Bible? (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is. It's re- his rebuttal. <laughs> it is. It is actually the Bible. The book has caused quite a lot of study into its origins and how this manuscript was created. It is fully illuminated with intricate letters beautifully designed in colorful inks such as red, gold, green, and blue, beginning with a giant letter of the first word at the start of each chapter. It is bound in wood, covered in leather, and bindings of ornate metal. Its pages are made of the skin of 160 donkeys or calves. Some have reported that the vellum is actually human skin. Really? But mm. I, can, I can show nothing that proves that to be true. Creepy, creepy. Mm-hmm. The Codex Gigas is a Bible written in Latin and contains the full Old Testament books, the New Testament, and has additional secular texts between some of the books. The order of the books is not consistent with our modern-day Bibles. Specifically noted, the end is not Revelations, which would make sense if it was written by the devil. Right, yeah. Because that ending is not what he would want. No. Specifically noted also is that it contains the work from author Flavius Josephus, Antiquities of the Jews, an encyclopedia, a list of the monks in the monastery, texts on necrology, magic formulas, introits for feasts, a calendar of holy days, common prayers, chants, and conjurations for all sorts of things, like illnesses, catching thieves, and casting out unclean spirits. Beautiful illustrations adorning the pages are drawn depicting mostly plants, but there are also pictures of a squirrel, heaven, the earth, sun, and moon, The earth is shown without any landmass, just oceans. One very shocking feature of this manuscript, and gives it its nickname, is a full-page illustration of the devil, 
who is shown crouching down, ready to leap off the page and attack the reader. <laughs> it is uncommon for any Bibles to feature such a large portrait of the enemy of mankind, and scholars think it is the only one of its era that depicts Satan alone. The devil has a human body, red horns, and red claws, with only four fingers and four toes on each foot and hand. It has a forked red tongue, but a green face and scales on its head, which, of course, is a nod to the reptilians. Hmm, aliens. Mm -hmm. It is naked, except for a loincloth, which some say looks like a depiction of ermine fur, which was only worn by royalty and was purposefully drawn to show that the creature is the prince of darkness and not a portrayal of any other demon entity. There are so many questions and mystery associated with the Codex Gigas. Scholars who have studied the manuscript remain at a loss for how this book was written. Typically, a manuscript of this size and ornate illustrations would be the work of several groups of monks spanning decades. It was said that this Bible was finished in the early 13th century by the Benedictine monks who resided at the Podlazice Monastery in Bohemia, which is our modern-day Czech Republic. However, the Bible strangely shows uniformity in its penmanship, which scholars say points to one author, and there is no sign of aging during its compilation. What do you mean? It would be almost impossible for one monk to complete this text in his lifetime by himself, unless he devoted most of his waking hours to this only task. The text was also so perfect in that it showed no changes of mood in the scribe. The ink also was proven to come from one source, crushed insect nests, and is the exact same ink used throughout the entire book. There is no variance at all in the illustrations or changes in the text which would be uncommon for a manuscript of this length and complexity. Many monks, as they aged, showed texts written with a shaking, cramped hand or slightly showing changes in penmanship depending on mood or even the temperature of weather. This, and often a lack of sharp eyesight due to the strain of working long hours, caused significant changes to be seen in the manuscript's consistency. But this text shows none of that. All 310 pages of vellum also show a uniformity of age, which I said earlier, mm -hmm. and that points to the manuscript being created very quickly over a short period of time, not over a lifetime. Yeah. And according to scholars, it is error-free. Really? A single author writing nonstop without any sleep would take at least 20 years. Wow. And that is without any of the ornate illustrations being wow. done. Huh. But maybe he peed in a bucket. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> a more realistic time frame, though, would be about 30 years. Mm -hmm. An old story that has circulated almost as long as the book's discovery was that one of the monks at the Benedictine monastery had committed a horrible crime against the order and his vows. As punishment, he would be sealed up with bricks in the monastery wall to die a slow and painful death. The monk, desperate to live, made a promise to his fellow monks and abbot 
that if he were given a year to live before being sealed up in the wall, some versions of the story say he, he asked for 24 hours, that he would create for them a manuscript so incredible the world would have no other book like it and their monastery would be known for its great work and knowledge. Of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they didn't know that at the time. Oh, Of course, they didn't believe he could even achieve this task in such a short period of time. So they agreed to let him attempt the task in order to redeem himself. The monk knew he also would not be able to complete the task and believed his soul to already be damned to hell for his crime. So he called upon the devil for his help. In one version of the story, the devil required a different form of payment since he already owned his soul. He requested a picture of himself to be included within the pages as payment for his work. Another version tells that the monk volunteered to draw an illustration of the devil as a tribute to the true author and include the devil's prayer at the end, cursing anyone who read the text, which would bring about the end of the world. Pretty dramatic, huh? Yeah, I guess. So the Codex Gigas was completed by morning, um, and in the other version, within the year, and it is said the monk was set free. The Bible resided there with the monks until the monastery was destroyed in the 15th century AD. The manuscript was then sold to the Cistercians, the Cistercians of Sedlik. Not the Sleestacks? I have no idea how to pronounce these <laughs> words. The man. You know, the stacks are from Land of the Lost. Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The manuscript was then sold to the Cistercians of Sidlak. The monastery was in Kutna Hora, Bohemia, but it only stayed there less than a year and was returned to the Benedictines, this time at the Brefnov Monastery in Prague. This particular monastery was a very wealthy order and felt the prestige of this work belonged with them, the Benedictines. The Codex Gigas became highly sought after by church leaders who wanted to see and study the book. During the 16th century, church leaders from Prague and Silesia visited the monastery and wrote their own names in the manuscript and included notes of their own in the margins, which would make a rare book historian or librarian scream in horror today. (laughs) (laughs) Rudolph II, King of Bohemia and the Holy Roman Emperor, was extremely interested in alchemy, astrology, and the study of all occult knowledge. He believed he could complete the alchemical great work of the Philosopher's Stone. He brought many trained alchemists to perform experiments at the palace, Rudolf's interest in these arts was so well known that Prague today still has a strong reputation for attracting visitors interested in magic. They even have a tourist destination called Alchemist's Alley at the palace. So, of course, he became interested in the Devil's Bible and asked for the Codex Gigas to be loaned out to him, promising it would be sent back to Bromov. It was dispatched to Prague on the 4th of March, 1594, but never returned. Mm. What Mm. a jerk. So he would never have any intention of returning the book to the library. No. (laughs) Bad king, bad. Mm -hmm. Between 1618 and 1649, a series of religious battles raged for 30 years between the Catholics and Protestants all throughout Europe, finally ending in the Battle of Prague 
which was against the Swedes who became involved by invading and capturing Prague Castle. Many items were looted, including the Codex Gigas, and taken back to Stockholm's royal castle in Sweden in 1649. A fire broke out in the castle in the year 1697, and many written records were destroyed, but the Codex Gigas was saved when soldiers began throwing books out of the windows. This Bible was a bit damaged, but uh, but survived the fall. Oh, of course it did. It's the devil's book. Uh, thank you. That's what I thought. The Bible was a bit damaged, but did survive the fall. The National Library in Stockholm repaired the book and kept it in its archives for many years. It is said to be residing in a highly secured room sealed behind bulletproof glass. The manuscript is one of the last handwritten texts of the Bible and is considered priceless. Digital images can be found online. There is a signature found within the text thought to be from the author because it was penned in the same style. The two words, Hermanus Monicus Inclusus, some have translated to mean horrible punishment, but the word's true meaning is closer to recluse. Herman the Recluse is believed to be the author of the Codex. He was a monk in residence at the time of the creation of the Codex. Many believe the Codex Gigas to be one of the most cursed manuscripts due to all the tragedies surrounding it. Mm -hmm. The destruction of the original monastery, the fire, the battles that took place wherever it was located. It was also reported that when the book was thrown out the window during the fire, it fell on a bystander, seriously injuring him. (laughs) (laughs) That period in history was always fraught, though, with war, illness, death, and tragedy. So it's hard to think the book itself was the cause or curse the owners who kept it. But I certainly wouldn't take any chances, would you? No. And there were also several pages leading up to the illustration of the devil, which are now stained black without any writing. Superstitions suggest the devil's influence is spreading like a dark stain to the pages surrounding its image. Someday, the entire manuscript will be tainted black, Hmm. dissolving the written text, kind of like a time capsule. They can't stop that from happening? I don't know. After all the pages turned black, his reign will be complete on earth and the end of the world will be upon us. Great. Is that going to be in the 2020s? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It is also noted that 10 pages are missing from the original 320-page manuscript. Those are the 10 pages that teach you how to beat the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has found an explanation as to why they were torn from the book. Some have theorized that during the period of the Inquisition, the church might have removed pages it deemed too dangerous for most to read. I am surprised they would then leave the illustration of the devil, but they did want people to be reminded of hell. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of fear during that time. Maybe they were even scared that Satan himself would come after them if they dare ripped out his picture. Others say the devil's prayer. An apocryphal text was the last chapter and was ripped out to prevent the destruction of the world. A most likely explanation is perhaps the pages were lost when the book was tossed out the window and never recovered. However, the Sweden National Archives say no. The pages were deliberately cut out. 
Others suggest King Rudolf took out the pages for his own private knowledge and study. Um, you know what? We can't see this text, this actual mm-hmm. book anymore. Yeah. So maybe it's all stained black now. Like we don't know. Hmm. Isn't yeah. that weird? Yeah. And there's no latest updates on it and, or where it's at or anything like it's that. It's still in, in um, Sweden still has it in their collection. Oh, they it's do. under bulletproof glass and it's so... in a sealed room. I know that there's a lot of historians that know how to treat old paper mm-hmm. like that. I'm so sure that's they I was have. Wondering if there's a way for them to keep it. I'm sure they're yeah. doing all of that. And one last, because it's priceless, right? Sure, it's yeah. like insured yeah. for eight million, I believe. Wow. One last theory is that the rules of the Benedictine order was removed when it was housed in a different monastery, and this makes sense because it's like we don't follow those rules. We're a different monk order, right? Sure. We will probably never know the truth, but no matter who created it, the Codex Gigas is a true magnificent wonder of the world. And I've got to do a P.S. side note to the Swedes. The Czech Republic is still pissed you stole their Bible. <laughs> they want it back even if it is cursed. That's right. <laughs> Get on it, Sweden. So that's my story. Carol, that was a really interesting story. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yeah, it would be very interesting to go see that text sometime, but, you know, maybe in a full body suit of some protection. Maybe it has something to do with what I'm going to talk about today, which is an update on the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I wasn't going to really delve much more into the Skinwalker Ranch, but I was watching an interview recently that made me uh, change my mind. There's been some new uh, science experiments that they've done that have been very interesting. But one story in particular that I really thought was cool, I wanted to tell. Um, And for those of you who don't know what the Skinwalker Ranch is, it's a uh, ranch out in northeastern Utah that they have had a lot of paranormal experiences. And uh, they're trying to, there's a bunch of scientists who are out there trying to study it. It's owned by a guy named Brandon Fugel, who's a real estate developer, and he has a, a deal with the History Channel to do a show. So they are basically going around with a reality camera crew recording all of these scientists doing different experiments on this ranch. And they have come up with some very, very strange findings. And so today I'm going to go ahead and, and tell you guys what some of those findings are, um, it's in season three on the History Channel. And no, we are not getting paid to advertise from the History Channel for the show. It's just if you're into the paranormal realm, you really would find this interesting. Um, a lot of people know all about Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. Very popular right now, too. Yeah, very popular. With the whole aliens disclosed. The whole UAP thing and then the government coming out and saying that, yeah, there's stuff in the sky. We don't know what it is. This is all tied into that because the lead scientist at the Skinwalker Ranch is a guy named Travis Taylor. And what's interesting, and I just found out, he happens to be also the chief scientist for the UAP task force. Oh, really? Which I did not know that. Yeah, he's oh, the wow. same person. Running the UAP task force, not running huh. it, but the chief scientist. I think he might report to the director, Jay Stratton. 
Woods. He's also the lead scientist on the Skinwalker Ranch. So he's got a balance. So he's got, if anyone's got information about aliens, it's going to be him. Travis. And just so you know, um, this is what his credentials are. So get comfortable because it's going to take a while. Oh, wow. He's this. that. Mm-hmm. How much of an expert, huh? He has a doctorate in optical science and engineering. He has a master's degree in physics. He has another master's degree in aerospace engineering. He has another master's degree what? in astronomy. He has a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. I mean, how many years has this guy been in school? I cannot imagine what his student loans are like. You know, the government probably are, is paying for all his I education. I hope by now. But you know what? He got recruited to work for the government at age 17 <gasps> from like just doing high school science experiments. He oh, got wow. tapped. Um, to join the military. I think he worked for the Defense Department for a while. Like, he's okay. been there for a long time, and he's really wicked smart, and he's very handsome, too, if I must say. So, yeah, so that's kind of his background. Anyway, he recently gave an interview to my favorite hero journalist, George Knapp, uh, which George released to mysterywire.com and was also snipped on Channel 8 News Now, KLAS Las Vegas, which I believe also is where George Knapp works. Everything he tells George Knapp in this interview, which is really super interesting, he's a scientist. So he's very straightforward. There's no drama. There's, oh, then this happened. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what? In one of the interviews I watched, George Knapp asked Travis about the hitchhiker effect from the ranch. Some of the people who have been working on the ranch have started to experience paranormal phenomenon after they've left the ranch at their own personal homes. Travis said that they don't like to talk about it because they are afraid of stimulating it because they do not know what causes it. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, um, they're they're worried it's just going to get worse if they yes. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that there is an explanation for it through quantum physics. He said that whatever our consciousness is, it is entangled with whatever this phenomenon is. So wherever you go, you are still connected to it. He said it's actually called the quantum measurement problem and that scientists are trying to study it. And some of their research has even garnered Nobel Prize nominations. So this is a real thing. This is a real phenomenon. It's not like something that scientists just roll their eyes about. It's they're aware that that is true. So it's not just made up woo woo. Absolutely not. Nope. Absolutely not. This is a story that I really wanted to talk about because I think the story is really cool and amazing because they're out on the ranch and they're doing all of these science-based experiments and they're trying to figure out what is going on. Why does all of their equipment fail whenever they try to do an experiment? Why whenever they try to measure what's above the ranch in the sky? They're having failed experiments because they believe there might be something up there that they can't see. It's invisible. All this stuff. So one of the things that they had learned from prior researchers was that they had seen portals open up on the property. Portals, for Christ's sake, portals. So they decided that they themselves would try to open a portal. And they did do this on season two. I remember watching this episode. Um, They had a rabbi come out to the property and he performed a ritual with with kind of like singing chanting that type of thing in order to open up a portal to heaven that was the whole point of it oh so it's not an evil portal no 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 they just wanted something that would open a portal they don't know where it's going but the rabbi i think what he was doing was trying to open a portal to heaven okay so he comes onto the property and he's doing his thing and it's at night and they have all these cameras set up and um, there, there's one particular triangle on the ranch 
where they study the most. And I believe that's where they had set up their cameras to mm -hmm. see if anything would happen. And then these are infrared cameras. So they get a, they're going to measure heat. So as the rabbi is doing his ceremony, they do see a thermal portal open up on the property in the infrared cameras they can see it on the camera it's below the skyline just above uh -huh. the earth it's like this red thermal heated portal on the property you can't see it with your eyes but you oh, can you see can't. it okay no, you can see it on the computer screen or whatever so oh, they did freaky. that experiment to see it and they're like well this is interesting okay so apparently in the interview travis tells george after they shot that and off camera the rabbi came over to him and he said, hey, uh, Travis, they're going to visit you tonight. They told me that. And he uh, goes, no. Yeah. And Travis is like, what? What are you no. talking about? He goes, they're going to come visit you tonight. He's like, who's they? And he goes, whoever it is who's here. <gasps> I would say, dude, why didn't you tell them no? I don't want any visitors. <laughs> I don't want to talk to them. Right. So he thought the rabbi was just pulling his leg. Yeah. And he just yeah. kind of laughed it off like, yeah, oh, okay. That makes sense because he's so he's rational. A, he's a scientist. Right? He's not me. I'm free. I'd be freaking out he, getting a, right. you know, a string of garlic he or something. He is a scientist. He's like, wow. yeah, uh-huh, sure, dude, whatever. I'm here to study the science. Oh, geez, wow. And he is the lead scientist. Mm. So he said after that, the rabbi leaves. He goes back to his trailer that is on the ranch. He goes inside. He locks his door. He goes to bed. He shuts his bedroom door, goes to bed, and he goes to sleep. And he goes, and then I had this dream that my locked door to my trailer opened, and then my bedroom door slid open. And he said, a very old native, that's how he described it, Very. he didn't say Native American, he just said, a very old native walked into my bedroom. He looked down at me, and he shook his head no kind of just shook his head, just shook his head. I, I, he didn't say he shook oh. his head, no, but he just said he shook his head. He took his finger and he pressed into my cheek really hard and oh. he shook his head again. Hi. And then he turned and he walked out. And Travis said, he goes, after that, he goes, I sat up in bed and I was completely startled, like completely like, what was that? So, so it wasn't a nightmare. No. It actually well, happened. Well, well, he freaked him out. So he woke up out of his sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So he goes into the bathroom to like splash water on his face and he looks in the mirror and he has a trickle of blood running down his cheek from where this person pressed him. And he goes, I couldn't believe it because he was like, it wasn't a bug bite. It wasn't a scratch. It just looked like someone had pressed me really hard in my cheek. What do you think that means? Exactly. What does that mean, Carol? Is he is he like mad that he opened a portal? Or like why my, is he my, why is uh, he just yeah. targeting Travis? Because he gets targeted again and I'll tell you more about that. But so here's the thing. He is the lead scientist. He okay. he devises all the experiments. He is the one that's messing with the ranch. And the whole lore around Skinwalker Ranch is if you do something to the ranch, the ranch will do something to you. It'll push back. And they say that all the time on the show. The, the ranch will push back. It wants to be left alone. It wants to be left alone. And so my theory is that whatever that spirit was that did that to him was warning him to back off. And I have more to talk about regarding that. Um, so anyways, I thought that story was fantastic, right? That is so creepy. When he said that, I was like, oh my God, I have to do an update on Skinwalker Ranch. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing, right? So he also, talking about that hitchhiker effect. 
Okay. He said that when he's been home in Alabama, all of his electronics will malfunction. His car will stop working. He said, in fact, one day he was driving his car out of his driveway when his car completely stopped. Everything shut down. And he thought to himself, well, if I were at the ranch, I would get out and investigate. So he gets out. He starts looking around and he looks up into the sky and he says, and I quote, there was an odd vortex in the clouds above my house, end quote. He cannot explain what what it was or why it was there, but it's just a vortex. So it's like a circular something when, in the in the clouds. When did this happen? He didn't say when it happened, but it was after he started working on Skinwalker Ranch. Because okay. I believe it, he told that story in context of the hitchhiker effect. Mm -hmm. So he said he got back into his car and started right up and worked just fine. Weird, right? He said there's been a lot of people who've worked on their ranch that have had other experiences like technological failures at their own home or things will move in their homes that they do not they did not move or do they remember moving them? So do you think that because it started working after he noticed it, it was a message? That's why they opened it up maybe, right, and caused him to perhaps, but maybe get it's part of, of this this quantum measurement situation that he was talking about. Um, the quantum measurement problem that he's still connected to the ranch, even when he's in Alabama, he's still connected to the phenomenon oh, that, that is at sucks. the ranch. Right, sucks for him. It's kind of like that idea when you're in a haunted house, yeah, and you move to a new house because it your old house you. is haunted and it follows you. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I thought that was kind of interesting. Another way that he has been individually targeted by the ranch was that he was exposed to radiation on the ranch, and nobody else around him got radiation exposure. And it's huh. weird. So they wear something called a dosometer. Dosometer, yes. They wear a dosometer on them when they're on the ranch because they have been hit with radiation that makes them really sick. Mm -hmm. Well, one day they were all out as a group investigating something, and all of a sudden his dosometer went off. And he had radiation poisoning. They found that he had, you know, he said he had dark urine, he had burn marks, he had temporary hair loss. It took him over a year to recover from it. He goes, and nobody else in the group got their dosometers didn't go off and they were fine. He goes, that is not how radiation exposure works, at least not how we are aware of it working. He goes, why would I get hit and nobody else around me get hit by it? Right. That makes no sense. So it's targeting him. It wants to kill him. I, uh, he said he's going to the doctors on a regular basis to make sure there's no cancer markers or anything like that. But yes, I, I kind of believe it maybe is. Hmm. That's kind of what he talked about in these interviews that I watched. But the show itself is very interesting. He talked about, um, for example, GPS signals at the ranch. He said that what's weird is that they will the GPS will stop working at the fence line. Not just the region, it's at the fence line for the ranch. <laughs> what? Just it's, the, where the property yeah. boundaries are, exactly? Yeah. He goes, the GPS will go crazy. He goes, this is crazy technology because it can cause planes to crash and drones to crash. And they've had drones crash before on the property. Like $50,000 drones. Oh, like I think really, I remember that. Yeah, cheap little drones. Like really yeah. expensive ones. Um, he goes, so that's very dangerous technology to have the ability to screw up a GPS that could crash a plane. I right? still think, you know, they need to find out what's in the ground there. Yes, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay, And that's good. coming up. 
So they also, like I said earlier, they will have all of their equipment set up and ready to record whatever data they are trying to capture. Everything will be working great. And right before they do, right as they're starting their experiment, everything will fail. Like they will, a battery will die, memory card will fall apart, their equipment will go down somehow. So it's very difficult for them to measure things on the ranch. And they're not the first team of researchers that have dealt with that. Like the um, the ones when Robert Bigelow owned the mm-hmm. ranch, the, he had uh, researchers in there. They also had trouble recording things on the ranch. He even said that they have like cameras all over the ranch so they can record footage constantly. He goes, one day um, he would step in front of whatever camera, it would go black for 40 seconds. Didn't matter which camera it was. He would just step into it in front of another one, it would go black for 40 seconds. So here's where we will talk about what is under the ground at Skinwalker Ranch. So this season, season three, they have found some caverns in the mesa that are next to the ranch. And there were apparently, according to a prior employee from years ago, there were caverns or caves in the mesa. Caves. Mm -hmm. But since then, they have collapsed. And I'm not sure if that was natural or if Bigelow had them demolished or what, but they have collapsed. Were they? Okay, so you don't know if they were from mining years before or natural. mm, There was no. But there is a lot of uh, cave drawings up in there like on the rocks and stuff so i think that there were some natives that made some you know etchings and stuff like that but no i don't know where they actually went to so they can't crawl around through them however what they did they could find openings to some of the areas and what they did was they used colored smoke to throw into the cave openings to see if they could find that same colored smoke popping out at an exit point somewhere so they kind of threw it down into the crevices and see where the smoke would reappear. Yeah. And they did some, find some exit points for the smoke, but then all of a sudden the smoke just got sucked down into the hole. It wasn't even coming out at all. So they couldn't figure out why that was. Dragons. So, something. Dragons. So they decided that they would go ahead and drill into the side of the mesa. And so when they did that, they got about 400 feet into the mesa, but they could not get past this really hard surface. Like they could not breach it so the the digger the driller took his drill back out and when he does that the drill will contain elements of what had been drilling through or on or into right and so when they looked at the elements that came back with the drill bit they found some shiny metal parts in there when they sent these metal parts into the lab they found out that the shiny material had been fused together one side had the superconductor tellurum And the other side was a semiconductor europium, uh, which is what NASA uses on their spaceships to help them deflect heat from reentry. Travis said that there are tests being done at NASA right now on these types of materials because there is a theory that stacking materials like these could allow them to bend time and space. And they found those in the cave. In the mesa at Skinwalker Ranch. So it sounds like this technology was already developed. Something crashed there. Perhaps. Yeah. That's my guess. That's my guess, too. The other thing is that tellurum and europium are extremely rare materials. In fact, tellurum is the second most rare material on Earth. 
What's the first? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one, europium, is also extremely rare. So these metals really have no business being buried under the mesa at Skinwalker Ranch. That is making the team believe that there is indeed something buried under the mesa that is causing their instruments to malfunction every time they try to do a new experiment. You know, I wonder if like, if they've interviewed the natives there that know the land they really have talked well. to a lot of natives local people yes they sure have and they've talked about the skinwalker legend between the tribes and how one cursed the other one with a skinwalker they've talked about that heavily on the show that's one of the things i really like about the show is it's not just pure science you've got all the scientists yeah. out there but they do not discount the religious spiritual elements to it or the history which that's they bring great. all of that in it's very cool it's very cool yeah i think it all needs to be part of the story I agree, which is why the scientist having a spiritual dream like that is so compelling to me. They're coming together. They're bringing the two things together in a way. They believe that based off of the way that they did the drilling, that the object inside the mesa is as big as 400 feet wide. Whoa. It's pretty big. So that's what they have been finding underneath the um, the mesa. Now, in the past, when they've tried to dig on Skinwalker Ranch, it's always blown up in their face. It's been bad. They haven't been able to do it. Yeah, their equipment stops working. Their equipment working. stops working. They only can get so far. And so it's never been feasible. Successful. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, in the very first season, the people who were living on the ranch and taking care of it were saying to Travis, the scientist and his team, like, there will be no digging on the ranch. It's just not safe. Because of radiation spikes. And in fact, the people, the Shermans, I think it was, that lived on the ranch as cow ranchers, they were digging on the ranch. And one day when they were doing that, uh, Terry went into his house. We came back out. His his digger was up in a tree. What? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very taboo thing to, to dig on the ranch. And that's why just doing a drill is what they're attempting because those things are heavy. Yes. And the fact that it's up in the yes, tree. Yes, it was up in the tree. So the other thing that they've determined about the ranch was the space above the ranch has also been a weird hot spot that the team has investigated. They believe there is something invisible in the sky above the ranch that deters their experiments, like their rockets and their drones and everything. And they also have found a 1.6 gigahertz signal that has been broadcasting from the same space, but there's nothing there. It's completely invisible. So something that tears their experiments from happening. And there's also a signal coming from that space. Have they tried flying something right there? Okay. At the signal? I'm glad you've asked that because that's the next part of our story, Carol. Oh, um, so the, this season, yes, they've tried to launch a huge rocket into the space right above the ranch. So their plan was to place lasers up, three big lasers up into the sky that would meet like a cathedral point up at the top. Mm-hmm. And they were going to use one of the lasers to broadcast this 1.6 gigahertz signal into it and beam it up into the sky. Um, they were also going to see if the lasers would bend Because if they were to bend, that means they're hitting something up there. And that would give them some evidence of what to look for. The rocket, they were going to shoot up between the laser beams, straight up into the sky. And when it was going to go straight up, 
and then it was going to fall straight back down. And when it came back down, it was going to release chalk. So the idea was that as it released chalk, it would be like throwing flour on the invisible man. Maybe they can see what's up there. Oh, like see the shape yes, of whatever's there. Of whatever's there. That's smart. Isn't that? Yeah. Tra- Travis's idea. Yeah. Oh, so go, the, Travis. Yeah. The first rocket. So they know that um, whatever this is, is about... 2,500 to 6,000 feet above the ground, that that's what they're trying to study. That's the sweet spot. So the first rocket they tried to launch blew up uh, on the platform and didn't go up into the sky. Okay. But then they re- they did launch a second rocket. Um, the rocket, like I said, was supposed to go straight up into where the laser beams came together. But instead, when the rocket got to about 2,000 feet, it veered off to the north. There was no. So it did hit something. They that... don't. It, it veered off to the north and went a couple miles outside of the ranch. It it completely, either there was some kind of technology that screwed up its GPS and it just went off on its own, or it hit something. They don't know, but it completely left that entire area. They have no explanation for this. That rocket should have just gone straight up and come straight back down, but it did not. But they did have a lot of cameras that were focused on the launch, and they were able to see an object, a UAP, glowing in the sky just above where they were shooting off the rocket. It seemed to have come from behind the mesa, or as Travis speculates, inside the mesa, and then it hovered above their launch site. Then, after the rocket veered off into another direction, the UAP moved to the right and then disappeared into what they have no idea. So when you were watching this, because I assume that they have this on camera. Yes. That What did you think it looked like? Well, so the theory is that there's something in the sky that we cannot see. Perhaps it's a portal that the UAP just disappeared into. And so that's kind of what they're thinking is that there's a portal in the sky that allows the UAPs to come back and forth. And somehow it's connected to the mesa that sits on Skinwalker Ranch. That's not my answer. I don't know, Carol, honestly. I just go by what they show me on the show, and it's very interesting. And I'm going to deviate to the scientists because they, you know, they're the ones figuring this out. I have no idea. It's it's really fascinating because I would think there'd be other places like that on Earth. It wouldn't just be one place, especially if it is a portal and it's Mm -hmm. like something that helps uaps sure. or like alien technology there to are come other in places and out. but yeah. then why haven't we found that those materials um, those things that maybe because they haven't been as obvious um or as like obviously the skinwalker ranch is kind of out in the desert um it got developed it got put into a ranch and so most of these uh, other places maybe they're in the woods and no and one's you know yeah or maybe like one of them is the bermuda triangle yeah, maybe, and it's down maybe. in the ocean and they or can't the, get down that far or the alaskan triangle mm-hmm. or i think there are um very strange spots on the planet that could very well correlate to skinwalker mm-hmm. ranch for sure So, Carol, in the finale of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, they had a guy come out to the ranch that took photogrammetry of the mesa and the surrounding area. You know what that is? No, I was just going to ask you. He basically goes out there, from my understanding, and this is a very um, rudimentary understanding, he goes out there and takes a whole bunch of photos of the mesa that they are able to uh, extract digital information from so they can build like a 3D model of it. So that's essentially what he's doing. 
when they looked at his images that came in, um, they looked at the 3D model, and for some reason, there was this interesting data set of imagery up in the sky above the mesa that looked like a misshapen lawn object. And so here, I'm going to show, show you a photo of it. It looked like that. Isn't that weird? What is that? I know, right? We have to put that on We'll have to get a screen credits, capture of it or, or something. something. Yeah, isn't that weird? So you can see how it's a digital, but that was certain points of data that they had captured in their photo, photo analysis of the Mesa. And it looks like it's a long, misshapen object, like kind of like a tunnel that's coming directly up from the top of the Mesa. And so when that, when they saw that, how strange! it is really weird, but so is Skinwalker Ranch, let's face it. So when they saw that, they were like, well, maybe the GPS got screwed up because, you know, as we know, Skinwalker Ranch fucks up technology all the time. Maybe right. there's something like that. It's really glitchy. So they called the guy that did the photogrammetry and they also called the guy who was the um, owner of the software that they used, the vendor. Mm -hmm. And both of them said they had never seen anything like that before. They're like, we don't know what would have caused something like that. Um, however, when they looked again at the imagery, they found a second similar object above the ground that was directly across from that first object that I just showed you. Mm -hmm. um, these two aerial objects aligned perfectly with a stone circle on the mesa that had a big stone in the middle. In this same area around the stone circle were caves that had petroglyphs on them. And when they brought an expert in to look at the petroglyphs, this is done in a previous season, well before they found these weird objects uh -huh. in the sky. He said that the petroglyph images showed a snake and the snake represents two different worlds. He believed that the snake images showed them acting as a guardian to a portal between two worlds. The portal, he said, is a window into the supernatural. Seeing these aerial portals directly above the petroglyphs and considering all the stuff they have discovered under the mesa this season brought the researchers to the conclusion there may be a portal in the sky or in the ground or both. They knew something was going on. They probably saw the portals. They probably saw, you know, the uh, that weird stuff happening and that's why they marked that area. Yeah. So they believe that this could be evidence of these portals that they've been hearing about and that these uh, petroglyphs describe. So anyway, that was the uh, finale conclusion of that. I think it's season three now, of Skin The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel. And I assume they're going to have more episodes, another yeah, season. I'm sure they will. And of course, like before, they did this thing at the end of the episode where they had a big roundtable discussion and yeah. they had the governor of Utah there, which means that gives it a lot of credibility in my eyes when oh, they are sure. being able to bring mm -hmm. higher ranking political people in. Um, they had George Knapp there. And we know how I feel about George Knapp. George I love Knapp, him. the host yep. of Coast to Coast. Yep. Um, one of the hosts. And, and uh, he's like the one that started right. breaking the Area 51 news stories back in the day. Yeah, so he was there, and then, of course, the Skinwalker Ranch researching team, and then Brandon Fugel, who's the one that owns the property, they were all there talking about what they were finding. So that was what they kind of revealed there at the end, that they found this weird portal thingy that they have evidence of up in the sky. And so now that they have found this, then I think next season their planning is just to find out 
just they just keep doing all these little experiments to stimulate the ranch and see what kind of reaction they get. They need to bring Elon Musk in and set off a rocket. Well, they have been there. setting off rockets, and Elon Musk should come. I think that'd be a really interesting episode. <laughs> Elon, so, if you're yeah. listening, yeah, Elon. Put down your Twitter and get out there. Well, speaking of Twitter, <laughs> yes. I wanted to say yes. there's been development. There has been. So obviously in the news it said that he's trying to get out of the Twitter deal, right. which I think I alluded to. Um, and then I did end in that... Um, that it would reading, go through, that, right? Well, I did say that it would, but I also had the justice card, which obviously, too... I hate to say this in retrospect because at the time I didn't read it this way, but the justice card does mean going to lawsuits. court, having lawsuits, all of those things. <gasps> That's so right. that is an accurate thing. I just didn't say that in the reading, but I should have because that definitely could be a thing there too. Um, so yeah, he'll be going to court and I can't remember. I think I had a clarifying card in there, but I don't remember now what it was. But anyway, yeah, um, it looks like he is trying to backpedal out of that situation for sure. Yeah. And you said it was going to get messy. So yeah. you were right about that. Yeah. But yeah, so the justice card. I was thinking of that card mm -hmm. when I saw the yeah. lawsuits and yeah, stuff. For sure. That's interesting. That is the update for The Secret of the Skinwalker Ranch, season three on the History Channel. Thanks for that update, Holly. Yeah. It was super interesting. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Have, have a great, great night. Yeah, have a great one. Bye. Twenty inches across and a three feet. Oh, God, I wrote this like shit. Yeah. He has a doctorate in optical space. Oh, please. <laughs> you think I'm a side sucker? Is You're that? a side sucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm straight on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Too much teeth when you do it yep. like that. <laughs> okay. So when they sent these metal lollipop, parts. Lollipop, lollipop, <laughs> Stop. Oh, lollipop. Stop. Okay. Okay. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com, and you may hear it on a future episode.